Talk with Ben Tompkins. What's up, baby? How's it going? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins, and we are presented by nobody currently, but these are the mixtape days, and this is Uber Stories Part 32. After a long hiatus, we are back in the saddle. We've got the car back. The studio's done with its upgrades, and we're back on road, and oh my God, man. Surviving that stretch, I'm like patting myself on the back, okay? I know I don't like to do a bunch of self-congratulatory stuff, but uh, and when I do it, I'm just, you know, messing around and just being, you know, arrogant or whatever. But I am very proud of myself because not only did we survive a very, very tough patch of life right there, uh, getting up in days just felt like they were carrying on and I just had no schedule and it was just like, oh my God, what am I supposed to be doing with my life right now? Now we filled that time with some really great guests and as a matter of fact, the last episode that we did with Roz Poole has ended up smashing some download records, certainly my two and three day download records. And that episode is up and you can go and check out that interview. Really, really great interview. But that is the most listened to episode that I have put out since Uber Stories Nashville, which was in May. So thank you to everybody that listened to that. Please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Facebook on the Facebook page at Real Talk WBNET. If you were one of the people who listened to it, or you've found the show, and now you're like, I can't wait to see what he has got in store for next week, I'm glad that you've come back. Old listeners, new listeners, it's good to have you in. This is Uber Stories Part 32, and we've got five stories for you today, three that are legit, and then two that are pretty quick, but we're going to kick things off with a story called I'll Say It. Now, we're going to start pretty deep right off the bat here. I might have caused a divorce. I might have caused a divorce. First ride back, and shit got real right off the bat. But I said what I said, and I said what needed to be said. And apologies and regrets can kiss my ass. The next story on today's episode is called, It's Good to Be Back. And it's really more of a thought that I had on my second ride of the night. And I'll just kind of paint the picture of the scene, one that I've missed so deeply. And now that I'm back, man, I just... Feels good, baby. (laughs) Okay, fake ID is the next story. And this one's a pretty quick one, too. But then the two final stories are pretty solid for only having two nights of stories to choose from because I drove on Saturday night and I also drove on this past Monday. So uh, in Do the Right Thing, which is our fourth story on today's episode, I ask a guy point blank, hey, give me your realist talk, man. And he freestyles on that for a while. And then in doing that, he's reminded of a story and shares that with me to really drive his point home that in life, you got to do the right thing. And finally, Dog in the Fight is about a man who is in the process of getting back up on his feet that shares some of the setbacks that he's faced recently. And I give him a dose of that real talk to hopefully help keep him going. That's what we got for you today. Before I jump into the stories really quickly, we do have a life advice submission. So today, on today's episode, we're going to get to do The Doctor Is In. That will follow the stories. Now, here's the thing. This week's life advice comes in the form of somebody sharing advice that they would share to anybody, okay? Normally, what I'm looking for and what this segment should be is 
what should I do in this situation? Please give me something that I can like use, right? Give me some real talk. I just need to know that I'm not nuts. I don't need to know what I should do in the situation. Like that's the kind of stuff. And I'll give you a couple of freebies or some perspective. But today's submission comes from somebody who will remain anonymous, just like all the other stories and submissions, anything on the show, we're protecting people's identity. We're not here to out anybody, okay, first and foremost. So just know that. Just know that you're a protected source, okay? But in this submission, this person just shares advice that they think that everybody should be able to hear, and I thought, you know what? This is something that should be heard. It should be heard because it's well-written and it's poignant, and we're going to share that in our final segment of today's show, The Doctor Is In. And if you want to send in your life advice submissions, The Doctor Is In, give me what you got, I'll give you what I got, or if you have Uber stories, I want to know about that time that your friend was blackout drunk and projectile vomited all over the back of some poor Uber driver. Or I want to know about a time that you guys, I don't even know. I, I, you know, I don't even know. I don't even know what goes on out there, okay? Crazy stuff, funny stuff, sad stuff. Maybe you had a 15-minute therapy session with your Uber or Lyft driver that wasn't your boy, but I applaud that. That's awesome. Okay, because there are good people out there. So please send those stories in, both Uber stories and your life advice submissions for The Doctor Is In. And you can send those to realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com. Or you can also DM me. I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook at realtalkwbennyt. And then on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, my personal Instagram at bennytomp18. So get me there. Yeah, I got the car back. It, I mean, I just have just had such a hell of a time dealing with the, <laughs> the never ending headache. And uh, I'm in the process of trying to uh, figure out something that's a little bit more sustainable for the show. And I love doing the Uber stories, and it's the perfect setup because I'm literally working my part-time job and getting paid to do that while I'm doing my full-time thing and growing this thing. So instead of having to take a server job or find work as a freelance, you know, whatever, social media person, uh, driving for Uber allows me to really do this and go all in on this, but if my car isn't drivable or if something is, there's an issue with it and I have to take it into the shop and then it's just like a whole fucking hassle, then things kind of come to a screeching halt for me. But I think I have a way, during the last six weeks, I'm forced to think outside of the box, like how can I still do this show even if I have to take a couple weeks out of driving, right? How can I keep this going? And I think I found a way to do that. And later today, I'm going to be, I, I shipped off, or I sent off to uh, Vistaprint to get a tablecloth, and it's got my logo on it, and I, I custom designed it. It wasn't very hard, but this thing is getting delivered today, and when I go up to Columbus at the end of the month, just here in just a couple weeks, um, let me, let me first tell you the inspiration for this. So uh, I, the Atlanta Beltline is a very, very busy place, right? And when I was down in Atlanta doing Uber Stories Atlanta, that's where I went to go and walk on foot and just 
basically door-to-door sales except people-to-people and group-to-group and just walk up. What's up, ladies? Or what's up, fly guy? Hey, do you like podcasts? You fuck with podcasts? I got one for you. Oh, yeah? What you got? Real Talk with Ben Tompkins. I'm Ben Tompkins. Nice to meet you. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, now we're working with something. Well, a few weeks ago, I saw a guy kind of doing the same thing except he had a barber chair and he had the apron and he had a blade and he was, he, you know, had somebody filming and this is on TikTok and he would invite people to sit down in the chair. Hey man, can I give you a free lineup? You know, can I, can I fade you back there? Right. And then they sit down and they start having a conversation and that provides some very powerful content. And I thought, wow, how can I incorporate this into what I'm doing? right? And if you think about the meme of the guy sitting there on the folding table and he's like, change my mind, right? About blank. Okay. I know you've seen that meme. I'm doing that same thing. I'm doing that same thing. And I had this thought, you know what? What if I took the equipment that I have, all I need are my microphones, my MacBook, my little box to hook into my MacBook, and I can take this and record anywhere I want. And what I did was create a custom tablecloth on Vistaprint with my logo on it, and I've got a folding chair, uh, two folding chairs, I've got a folding table, and I'm going to go and set up in high traffic areas and have the two microphones, I'll have two chairs, I'll be on the long, lengthy side of the table, and then on the corner, or on the short side of the table, right, it'll just be an open seat, and I'll be inviting people to come and sit down, hey, Give me some real talk. Give me what you got. Whatever you got. Just open up your fucking heart and let it flow. And I need to find somebody to record. Now, I just hired an intern, but I don't know if I would feel right uh, asking them to come up to Columbus. Maybe I'm going to try and find somebody up in Columbus. I'm going to definitely do a dry run here in Louisville probably this weekend once I get this tablecloth, which is going to be pretty cool because I need to figure out the... uh, what it's going to sound like. I mean, it might be total shit if I have two microphones outside and that's not a very ideal acoustic environment, right? So what's it going to sound like, especially in a high traffic area? How much of the background noise is it going to pick up? Are the birds or cars or other people who are walking going to be too loud? So I'm going to do a little test run, but this is something that really I think could be powerful and make for some really good content is to have people from all over the street just sitting down and chopping it up with me and um, you know shout out to Michael Grayler I've just got this really nice gimbal that I can use the little zoom and it just stabilizes the video and I mean it just makes things fucking crystal clear and I'm really really excited because this is a way you know maybe maybe that even blows up more than the whole uber concept right and then if that is sustainable and it's more sustainable and stuff like that starts to go viral Well, that's awesome. Now, I still want to drive for Uber because it is really, really a beautiful thing once I'm getting paid for the podcast and this content and sponsorships that I'm selling or some kind of a podcast network is selling um, to be double dipping, basically, right? And and being paid by Uber while also finally seeing a financial return on uh, this podcast so I can write off my expenses against some income earned for Godfather Media, right? And maybe pay an intern eventually. But we're, we're working on these things. There's levels to this shit. And this has been a slow burn since June 1, 2020. And um, yeah, man, to just, I mean, to just be at this point um, would be really cool. But 
yeah, it's like if I can get that going, then maybe if I have to order a part for the car, I'm not as pressed for time and I'm not as like freaked out or panicked thinking, oh my God, I, I got to get out there. I don't have any content. I don't have any way to make money. I don't have any blah, 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 blah. Like I need a way that I can figure out that and, and create something that's a little bit more sustainable. So I'm not out six weeks at a time, right? If something goes wrong. So uh, good shit, good shit. And yeah, like the intern, dude, uh, I will be introducing them in the coming weeks. They're going to start here pretty soon because classes are starting back up at the colleges and universities. But um, it's just really cool, man. It's, you know, when I was in school, I did four or five unpaid internships. And by the time I was a senior in college, I was working with our student radio station, WRFL, and hosting my own show with a team that I had built from previous relationships and working with different people through either my other internships or just people that I really clicked with uh, through through the classes that we took together. And I thought that was really cool. And to be on the other end of it and hire an intern and be like, all right, you know, we're going to schedule one-on-one meetings, just like one of my, one of the best bosses that I've ever had, John Owens, shout out, baby, would always take time to do one-on-one meetings and we would uh, do them on Monday mornings and just kind of check in. And, um, you know, that mentorship, like I, I really get a lot of sense of, of pride, I guess, in being able to help somebody else out. And I see, um, you know, I, I sometimes, yeah, like I want to accomplish things. I want to achieve a lot of things. But I think what would be more meaningful for me, honestly, looking back at my career is, okay, was I successful? Did I did I accomplish what I hoped to accomplish? Yeah. But who did I bring with me? Who are my protégés? Who can I look at as assists, right? And say, I molded this person. I helped this person find their path. And I helped them kind of narrow their scope and eliminate other things. And then look what they ended up doing. Like they, they ended up being more successful than me. Like I would look at that as such an accomplishment, even more than my own probably. Because that's something that's really, really cool, you know, is like, who did I help elevate? I think that's really cool. So uh, excited for the intern and also excited that my studio upgrades are done. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Spent way too much money on a chair. But you know what? Yesterday I spent 12 hours almost almost straight. Like I, I got up and spent two breaks, okay, which I need to do more of and move around. Uh, but I sat in my new studio chair for about 12 hours yesterday, and my legs feel great. My legs feel great. I mean, and now that I've got the, uh, the, the, the table height of the studio desk that we've got in here, this big marble slab, this thing's perfect, man. And so I'm really, really enjoying everything that's come together in the last couple weeks besides LAC Westport closing. That's kind of a bummer. But you know what? Like it, it, it's it's a shitty situation. That's been my gym since 2013. I would come back in the summertime and go there and work out as a college student. And then once I moved back from California and was back in Louisville, I, I was like, I need to go to LAC Westport. Like that's the place. That's my home. And I've been going there for the last year and gotten really serious about a weight loss journey and and just developing a healthy routine again. Um, and they're closing. Which sucks. And I, I, I crave consistency. I crave structure, okay? That's why the last six weeks have been so difficult for me. But here's the thing. I'm looking at that as a silver lining. It's a beautiful opportunity for me to go and 
do one of these local gym collaborations and partnerships like I've been doing when I've been in Chicago and Nashville and like I'm going to do when I'm in Columbus and like I did when I was in Atlanta. There's no reason I can't be doing that in my own backyard. So I went and checked out Everyday Athletes out in J-Town earlier this week and I'm going to be checking out a few other different gyms locally because really there's no like, there's dude, you know what? Nobody cares about the gym scene in Louisville. I'm going to suffice it to say options are limited and I am looking for a partner that not only I can plug up on the podcast, on social media, uh, and be their fucking biggest hype man, but also with my riders. Hey, are you looking for a new place to work out? You know, Do you have any fitness goals that you're not hitting that maybe you think a personal trainer or some kind of a gym or a fitness community could really help you out with, right? Well, you should go and check out my friends at blah, 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 okay? Now, all I'm asking for in exchange for that is to waive my membership fees, which at some of these places that aren't like uh, big national chains but are more boutique, fitness community, specialized stuff, they're like $150 to $200 a month, some of them ridiculous that's ridiculous right I don't I I don't have the money to pay for that I mean I gotta I I, you know I gotta eat (laughs) you know I gotta eat so that is like uh something that I'm working on and uh you know it's like look yeah LAC closing sucks I'm gonna miss that place but uh I'm gonna find a new home and I'm gonna find somebody that wants to do this with me and ride with me and it's gonna be better in the long run now Saturday night I was sitting there on the couch And I decided to pull up the incentives that Uber was running just to take a look. And I saw that there was a three-ride incentive, that if you did three rides, you made an extra like $150. And I was like, I bet. I wasn't planning on going out on Saturday night, but I looked at this thing and I was like, I have to, dude. I have to. I have to. I, I was called, right? I was called to do it. And... I guess they're doing that because they are trying to incentivize people to sign up and drive for Uber. So if you do just three rides, which is about an hour, hour and a half's worth of driving, then you get an extra 150 bucks. I'm like, cool. So I did just three rides on Saturday night. But these are the three rides that I did. I'll say it. I'll say it. (laughs) If no one else will, I'll say it. I might have caused a divorce. At the very most, a divorce, and at the very least, possibly an uncomfortable conversation. We're jumping right into the deep one with this one, because it's heavy. It's heavy. So I go scoop these two up from some house party that they were at, and the guy walks out, and he's got a cooler. They appear to be middle-aged, late 30s, early 40s, young-looking couple, and right off the bat, man, I did not like this guy's vibe. Here was my first impression. I go all the way across. Didn't love that. Not feeling like we're off to a great start. So off we go, and his wife starts asking me how long I've been doing Uber, where I went to school. We talked about UK basketball and the parties on State Street, and she asked, so is this your full-time thing? And I said, well, it's funny you should ask. And I started sharing about how I got to this point. Well, as I'm going through the story, she says, wait, so you do sports talk? And as I'm answering her, listen to the way that her husband puts her down. So you do sports talk? I did sports talk. So I listen to a lot so, of those guys. Um, well, no, you're not. 
He literally stopped her and says, no, you're not even going to be in this one. I'm thinking, man, fuck this guy. Are you kidding me? Later on, there was another point where something got confused and she thought we were talking about something else. It wasn't sports talk related. It was like something totally unrelated. And instead of being like, no, honey, we're talking about this, right? He goes, you're lying. We did not do so-and-so. You're wrong. And she was like, oh. And he was like, she cray-cray. And then in this next clip, just totally dismissive of everything that she thinks is cool. Well, but when we turn 40, we're going to either go to Vegas or Have you ever been to Vegas before? Oh, really? Really? Vegas is great. Miami's great, too. I would rather, honestly, I'd rather go to a whole place like in Mexico. I think we would have. I want to see DJ Pauly D. So that's just where he is. I think we'd have a lot. I'm going to the Jersey Shore. I'm going to go to this Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm going to go. I think we'd have more fun if we went to like an all in Where DJ Pauly is? I gotta hear. I gotta hear some of that. I've been to Vegas. You're gonna have fun there, but it's not gonna like. Okay, well, thank you, but you've been there and I haven't. I wanna pull some slides. And I wanna go to one of these. You can do that. Well, then take me to Miami when we're there. Yeah, just do both. Speaking over her, when it's her suggestion, he's like, eh. And he's like, I think we'd have more fun if we did the all-inclusive thing. In, in which what he's really saying is, I'll have more fun if we do what I want to do. And the Vegas thing, it's like, dude, here's some relationship advice. Okay, This applies to anybody. If your wife or your girlfriend has never been somewhere and wants to go and do all the touristy shit, even if you've been there a million times, don't be too cool for school and... Be the guy that can't enjoy it and make it a cool experience for someone who hasn't been there. Don't ruin her time and kill her vibe just because you're jaded and you've seen it all before. That's not cool. No one wants to go on vacation with that guy. Don't be that guy, okay? And then the very next thing that comes out of his mouth after that is, so are our kids asleep? As if she has some crystal ball in her purse. And she's like, totally caught off guard by it. She's like, I, I don't know, probably. Mom knows what time they goes down. And he slurs out, but our kids asleep, you know? She says, well, why wouldn't they be asleep? He says, I don't know. I'm asking. And then there's this really awkward silence. And it's just tense and uncomfortable. And I'm like, God, this guy fucking sucks. And when the timing felt appropriate, I picked the conversation back up. And me and her keep talking about the show and what I'm doing now since transitioning away from sports. And she asks how she can follow along. And I've clearly at this point just laid out what the show is and what the show isn't. And then he says this. So what are you talking about? You want to talk about UK or UFO? You tell me I'm ready. I'll tell you what I want to talk about. You and this needle dick energy that you've got permeating throughout the whip. I just told you I don't do sports anymore, dude. So sorry, I'm not going to engage in your little ego battle, but tune in next Wednesday because I will have a lot of things that I do want to talk about, okay? And dude, that is exactly the type of energy and like that is exactly why I could not wait to get out of sports is because every guy that's ever watched a game thinks that he knows more than the person on air and they just beg for arguments. They ask you a question just so they can give you their answer, most of the time speaking over you to do so. I mean, I bet this guy's burner account on Twitter is sick, but exchanges like that 
make me feel dead inside. And I just choose not to engage because he's literally like, you tell me. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you know, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I'm, not, I'm just not even going to touch that one, you know. Well, at some point after I feel like I've talked about my thing enough, right, I ask them what they do. And he says he works in law. And she says that she is a preschool teacher and also does marketing for a company that provides a service with ties to the automobile industry. And I'm like, oh, no way. I could actually use what that company does for something that I'm dealing with right now. And she's like, oh, my God, I'll have to give you my business card. Wait, who's your insurance agent? And I say the company and she says, who is it, though? Like, what's the name? And I say the name and she's like, are you fucking kidding me? That's our biggest client. So she is all excited and she says that she can't wait to tell the owner of the company that she works for that this thing came about and she said that she just got these new business cards made up. So she's hyped to give me one, but she didn't have any in her little clutch. And as we're pulling up to the driveway, she's like, hey, I can run in and grab one. And I'm like, yeah, definitely. But as she's looking for her clutch, listen to what this chotch bag is in the back there chirping. So, whenever you're ready, I can give you my card, or you Yeah, just... I'll take your card. Okay, I don't have one. I don't think I have any. Hang on one second, I don't you think I have really don't have a card. No worries. Are you kidding? No, but they're in the... Oh, oh, there. Let's just go up and they... They're in the back of the wow. truck. Wow. I just go home on new business cards I'm a in. business person, are you? I don't typically do business on a Saturday night, so... We're good. Okay. We're good. What kind of a business person are you? What kind of a husband are you? What kind of a partner are you? Is your male ego so fragile that you can't stand to have your wife's thing outshine yours for five minutes? Because I'm sure when they go out, people probably ask him about his career first. And they look at him as the breadwinner, and he puts his thing above hers, it's more important, and her thing is like the afterthought. But here's a moment where her thing is actually more relevant, and he can't stand it. And he pouts back there like a little baby and lashes out with those little comments. That's pathetic. And she just said that she got these business cards made. So she's excited to finally give one out, and that's a cool thing, right? When I got my business cards made through Vistaprint, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Being able to, like, that's an exciting thing. And you're sitting there undermining her ability as a business person because, you know, it's just like, that's so fucking weak, dude. Well, they both get out. And she's like, okay, hang on one second. I'll be right back. And the dude doesn't even say anything. He, no goodbye, have a good night, thanks for the ride. Just gets out and walks in front of the car and gives me, like, this, like, thumbs up as he stumbles and walks to their back door and around the corner out of sight. And I see her climbing into the truck in front of me and digging through like the center console or whatever. And then I see her look back towards him. Okay. And imagine he's off camera, right? So I can't see him. We can't see him. And she's standing there in the driveway and I couldn't hear what was being said, but based off body language alone, she was standing there looking like a kid that's about to get in trouble. And this goes on for maybe 30 seconds, and then she walks towards him, and, and now I can't see either of them. And maybe another 30 seconds goes by, and then here she comes hustling out with her cards, and I thank her for them. And then, man, I, I just, I couldn't watch any more of this and sit there in silence. And I told her what most of her friends probably won't or don't. Okay, so here's my business card. Cool. 
easy. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, nice to meet you. Thank you for the ride home. And don't tell him. Don't tell him this is. That guy talks to you like shit. Your husband. episodes on Wednesdays. Yes. Cheer up. Okay. Bye. So I know that's really tough to hear because she's standing outside of the car. It's very faint. But when I said your husband, her entire demeanor changed, almost as if this illusion had been broken. Here's a total outsider that has no reason whatsoever to lie to me. And in 30 minutes, he saw what I see and vocalized what I'm forced to internalize. My husband treats me like shit and talks to me like shit. Now, maybe that's not who he really is, and maybe that's not how it really is, and maybe he was just drunk and just being an asshole, okay? But for the most part, he's a solid dad and husband. I don't know, I don't know that. All I know is, and all I can ever go off of in judging a person's character is how I feel during our interactions and the behaviors I observe. How do they treat other people? And through that lens, I don't really care about anything else because those two things are all I need to know to make up my mind about somebody. And I also know this too. I'm right. I know I'm right. She didn't even have to say anything because her body's response said it all. As soon as I said, your husband, her shoulders dropped, her expression changed, and you can hear her very faintly on that clip say, okay, yes. Like admitting it. And dude, when I told her, you deserve better than that, I don't know how she did it, but somehow she kept the tears from streaming down her face. The look in her eyes was heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And that's why when you hear me say, cheer up, before I take off, because she looked absolutely devastated in this realization. And that's never how I want to see my riders look getting out of the car. But you know what? I'd much rather say something to somebody and have to see that response then not say anything at all and see her continue down that path knowing all too well where it goes. I'm not being dramatic and I'm not overthinking this. I know exactly what that looks like because I watched my dad treat my mom the exact same way growing up. Emotional abuse. It's real. And it crushed my mom. And it crushed her self-confidence. And it crushed her self-image. And for a long time, it crushed her soul. It crushed the person who she was. And she was forced to internalize all of that. And it's not pretty. It's fucking heartbreaking. And even after the relationship ends, that trauma becomes a part of you. It manifests itself in ways that you can't even imagine and it sits there, hidden in plain sight, ready to erupt like a landmine that lay dormant. And you might be thinking, dude, you're making a lot of assumptions here. And if you're saying that, or you're wanting to defend the dude or give him the benefit of the doubt, bitty to your trip in, then you've probably never seen it. And you have no idea what I'm talking about. But she does. If you know, you know. You can barely hear it. It's basically a whisper. Right before I say thank you for your card, she says thank you. And to me, that whisper says, I acknowledge this, but I'm not yet ready to deal with it. So let's just keep it a secret and maybe someday... I'll raise my voice and vocalize what I'm going through or I'll vocalize the way that this arrangement makes me feel, how the way that this guy 
who I'm supposed to love and who is supposed to help build me up talks to me. But for now, I've just got to keep internalizing it because this is my reality. Now, why would I do that? Why would I say that to her? Because let's be real here. That could potentially blow up somebody's marriage or at least lead to a very serious confrontation. But I'm thinking, you know what? If I don't say something, is anybody else going to? Is anybody else telling her this stuff? I'm just calling it like I see it, right? I, I've, I have no reason. I have no reason to say that other than, hey, I'm watching this play out and I don't know if anybody else is telling you this, but <laughs> I'm just calling a spade a spade. And I got to think that there's other people in her life that sees it too, but my thought goes to, do these people say anything to her? Because here's the thing. This is super shitty, but it is a thousand percent human nature. More often than not, we don't say the thing to our friend or our family member or our colleague. As the old saying goes, don't shoot the messenger. I think that holds people back from keeping it real with people. And a lot of times, understandably so. Because nobody wants to be the one who tells their friend that their partner is cheating on them. Or that their new hairstyle really isn't their best look. Or that they've gained weight. Or that maybe their dreams of becoming X, Y, and Z probably aren't going to come true. Why? Because we resent that person. They've broken our illusion. It's like that quote from The Big Short. Truth is like poetry. And people fucking hate poetry. That's real talk, man. And for the most part, I think people are passive. And they're conflict avoidant. And they don't want to create a potentially uncomfortable situation in the friend group or at the family gatherings. And they think that if it will inconvenience them in the slightest, that they would rather you figure it out on your own time than to be real with you and pull you aside and say, bro, sis, wake up. But what if you never do? And to me, the most despicable and absolutely gutless thing about that whole kind of situation is that those friends, those family members, they see it and they talk about it behind your back, but they will not say it to your face. It's known, it's just not known to you. Now, hopefully she does have a friend or a family member or somebody in her life to tell her this shit, but maybe she doesn't, right? Think about this. You think that a mom or a sister or an aunt that you're close with, like somebody in your life would be the person to call that out. But sometimes when you're in her shoes or you're in a physically or emotionally abusive relationship, you do such a good job of keeping up the illusion that even the people that we're closest with are totally clueless about what's really going on. And that takes a lot of work and it's exhausting but you do it because to bear the reality of them knowing your truth is just too painful. So we keep them in the dark. And you think, come on, how could a mother not know? Well, what often happens in emotionally abusive or physically abusive relationships is that the victim starts to shut themselves off from people who might catch on. So they might not go out with friends as often and they might not go on all the family trips. And they always have a very believable excuse for not being there, be it work or the kids or whatever. And they want so badly to believe that it's not as bad as it seems. But when you take a step back and you look at what you're doing, you're hiding it. And you're avoiding it. And you're internalizing it. So sometimes it's like, 
how could a friend or a family member not know? But to that, I would say, how could a friend or a family member possibly speak on it if they're not around to see it and if it's hidden from them? Because it's shocking what we'll keep from the people who are closest to us if we think that doing so will maintain the image of their baby girl or the son who can do no wrong, the perfect couple, the good wife, the great dad. It's shocking what we'll hide from the people who are closest to us to maintain that image. Now, there's a lot to unpack there, but for all of those reasons and all of those layers, that's why I feel compelled to say something. That's why I got to do it. I ain't got to do it, but fuck it. Somebody got to do it. Hate if someone else did it. Fuck, I may as well do it. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that's a really deep one. And, and it's not just, you know, I, I, would, I would do that and, and I, would, I would say that to anybody that I saw in a potentially troubling situation and say, hey, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm just trying to look out for people. That's all. That's all I'm trying to do. And, and through that, I really, you know, I, I feel, I thought about it, right? I mean, it really weighs on me because I'm thinking in my head like, okay, yeah, I think that I did the right thing, okay? Because, listen, definitely does deserve better. She deserves better than, than that, okay? And maybe, again, it was just a bad night, but no one deserves to be talked like that, especially from the person that's supposed to be your partner. You guys are supposed to be a team. What kind of a teammate is that? And I hope that I didn't cause a fight. Right? I hope that maybe it caused a divorce and sis is going to take care of herself and wake up and be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I'm way too young to continue down this path for another 10 or 15 years until finally I can't take it anymore. Right? But I hope that it didn't cause a fight when she went in there because the last thing that I'm trying to do and the last thing that I want to do is create a situation that puts her, or anybody for that matter, in harm's way. And if she walked back there as shook as she looked standing there with me in the driveway and he's trying to talk to her and she's off in her head somewhere or gets emotional or it gave her enough of a reason to confront him and things got ugly, I think about that. And I hope to God that it didn't. But I think that's kind of where I have to take a step back and disconnect and say, hey, look, I'm just here to give people the words and try to help people as much as I can. But I'm just here to give people the words and things to think about and options. And what they choose to do with them from there is on them. Because I can hope and wish and want things for people all day long, but ultimately, what happens once you get out of my car and get to where you're going is out of my control. Just like a therapist who says goodbye to a patient that leaves their couch, now it's up to you. So I'm hoping for the best. So that's how we started back. And then the second ride of the night made me think, you know, it's good to be back. And my second ride of the night was an older dude and his lady, and they were just running from somebody's house to another and uh, they lived pretty close to a liquor store where they were going. And so the dude asks me if I minded dropping them off at the liquor store. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. So as soon as I get the so as soon as I get to the liquor store, and remember, this is a Saturday night, and this is probably around 10 or 10:30 at night. So there is hella people hanging out up there. 
and there's this big group of people standing around in the parking lot, and I see this dude off to the side dribbling an imaginary basketball and pulling it up and flicking his wrist like he's practicing free throws in the middle of this liquor store parking lot. And I just love that he's putting shots up. I mean, it's just comedy to me. So there's more people walking up to this spot to post up, and I pull into this parking space close to the door so that my riders can get out. And as I pull in, there's this car that's parked to my right that's backed into their space. So when I look over to my right, I'm eye to eye with this girl who's in the passenger side of her friend's car. And both of them are singing and they're playing some music loud with the windows down. And we make eye contact and she keeps singing and I flash a coy little smile her way, just being friendly. And she sees me and she smiles back and then she starts dancing a little louder and singing a little louder and she reaches up and turns the music up in her friend's car. So this is going on to my right, and I got old boys shooting free throws and people milling around to my left, and I'm saying goodbye to my riders, and then I hear this girl start yelling, and she's like, hey, hey, cutie, and I'm playing it off like I'm not paying her too much mind, you know, I'm smiling, like, I hear you, but like, you know, I got places to be, I got things to do, I got a girlfriend, you know. And I'm still kind of turned around looking at these people getting out, making sure that they didn't forget anything or leave anything in the back seats. Well, then this girl reaches over and honks her friend's horn. And she's like, hey, <laughs> and she honks it again. So I look her way and I smile again and I throw her a little head nod like, what's up, ma? And she just busts a little move and she puts her head down and I throw it in reverse and I roll off real smooth on my way to my final rider of the night. And I just, I felt that energy from her and the buzz of the people out there as the night was getting going. And I just thought, damn, it's good to be back. Hey, we'll get back to the stories in just a minute, but I want to take 10 seconds and plug my guy, Tyler Pope. He runs the barbershop Fades on 4th down near UofL's campus. And if you go down there and you're looking for a place to get a haircut, maybe some beard work done, get twisted up, whatever you need, go see my boy Tyler Pope and tell him I ride with Benny T and he's going to get you hooked up with Supreme Service and my man is the godfather of the fade. He is, he's a rock star. He's a rock star, man. So go see Tyler down on fades on fourth, tell him I ride with Benny T and he's going to get you looking right. So fresh and so clean, clean. Hey, all right, back to the stories. Fake IDs is the uh, third ride of the night that I did and the little mini story that I'm, I'm calling this on Saturday. We've got two more here, but um, fake IDs is our third. And this was the last ride of the night on Saturday night. And this was a pair of young ladies that I picked up from one of the student apartment complexes near UofL, which, by the way, these apartment complexes all over the city... Um, I don't understand why they need so many fucking speed bumps. Who is speeding through these apartment complexes? Why are these speed bumps necessary? Some of them are like fucking Mount Everest over here. I don't understand it. And there's there's like, I mean, you can't go 10 feet without going over another one. I, I just, I don't understand the whole speed bump thing in the apartment complexes. But I digress. I digress. So anyways... I speak to these women a little bit as I greeted them, and they were on their way to Baxter's. But then once we started going, they were doing their thing, talking about this and that, and then at some point, both of them just busted out laughing, like hysterically laughing. 
and I couldn't help but kind of laugh a little bit too. Now, sometimes I'm not always in on the joke, but if somebody starts laughing, laughing is contagious, man. I don't even know what they're laughing about. It could be me for all I know, but I'm probably going to crack a smile and kind of wonder what the hell it could be and just, I, I just, I don't know, start to kind of laugh too. Like, And usually if the first minute of the ride was smooth when we did your, how you doing, how's your day going, what are you getting into tonight deal, then I don't feel like it's too much of an intrusion when I'm like, hey, what's so funny, you know, what are you guys cracking up about back there? And one of the girls says, look how bad these fake IDs look. What should we do? And she hands me the IDs, and they're both laughing. And I look at them, and dude, she was not lying. I can't remember what state they were from, but they were obviously supposed to be the same color, except these were two totally different shades of some kind of a salmon or light pink. One was dark, and the other was super light. And without hesitation, I say, okay, here's what you're going to do. And they both lean up a little bit in their seats. Don't go in at the same time or let the bouncer see that you're together. If it's busy and there's a line, all he's doing is looking at the date on your card and making sure it's above the one that's in his head. But if you hand him these cards back to back and he sees that disparity in the color, he's probably going to get a little bit suspicious. So one of you get in line and show the bouncer your ID and then go to the bar and get in line to grab your drinks. And then the other one of you falls back in line And if there's not a line, then just stay outside for a couple minutes, act like you're on your phone, waiting for a friend, hit your jewel, whatever, and then just go in. Just break it up. You'll be fine. This is the stuff that you can't learn in a classroom, man. And that's where I come in. I tell the people what they need to hear. No bullshit. I keep it practical. And they already know. Now, I don't know if it worked. I mean, one of these IDs was like severely discolored. And that poor girl got fucked sending off her money to to buy some ID that looks like shit. But, you know, hey, here's another lesson for you. Never get fake IDs from the same state. Back in the day, mine was from Ohio, and I had a friend that had a Tennessee one, and another one of my friends, his was from Illinois. So diversify to avoid running into issues like that if you're in the market for a fake ID. And never, ever do the one from the state that you live in. It's too easy to spot even the slightest variance. So there you go. That was Saturday night. Do the right thing. During the daytime, and especially during lunch hours, like 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., it's kind of that lunchtime window, I get a pretty good amount of rides that are people coming from or going to Gen Cares, which are senior medical centers. And there's one in uh, Shively. There's one near Butchel. And there's also one on West Broadway. And I love talking to my senior citizens because they've got the wisdom and they've got good stories. And most of them don't give a shit how they sound or how they come off. They just tell you straight up what's on their mind. And that always provides for some interesting content. So on this day, I'm driving along when I get a request and go scoop up a guy that we'll call Marcus. So I pull up to this gin care and Marcus gets in. And whenever I get one of these trips, I always start by asking them how their appointment went because they're they're going there for some kind of a treatment or medical diagnosis or ongoing thing. And so I ask, hey, how to go in there? Was it a good news day, a bad news day, or just a checkup, you know? And he was like, oh, man, just a little checkup. I guess he was having some blood work done and everything checked out. So he was in a good mood. He was chilling. Well, as we went along, we were talking about life. And at some point, I said to him, all right. 
give me the realest talk you got. And this is what he hit me with. Ah, well, look, I'm, I'm like this. Treat people like you won't be treated. You know, don't do no dirt, because if you do the dirt, it's going to catch up with you sooner or later. You think you're getting away with something? Karma. It didn't happen to me, you know. I guess you learn from your experience. But come back around? Yeah, come back around. That's a, that's a true thing. Karma. It's for real. You think you're doing something, but you're really not. That person you got don't get you. Somebody else will. Right. Sooner or later. Right. Might take 10 years, might take 20, who knows? I, you know, look, I believe in Just, you know, get along with you. Get along with everybody if you can. I know it's hard, you know, but can't get along with everybody. Right. Can't please everybody. Sure can. Mm. Just do the right thing, you know, basically. You have a much better life, you know. And you can live with yourself. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you a story. This is happening about a month ago. Please. So I turn the music down a little bit, and I perk up in the seat, and he continues. My next door neighbor, he's an older guy. He lived right next door to me. He got out of his car and he dropped his wallet. So I'm coming from Speedway. So I see the wallet down on the driver's side on the ground. I see all this green sticking out, you know. <laughs> Look, man, it's a true story. This dude had $720, all 20s, Damn. in his wallet. Know what I did? I thought about keeping it. I say, no, nah, that wouldn't be right, you know. He's my neighbor, too. It's not like I didn't know him, you know. Yeah. I went and knocked on the door, man, gave him his wallet, man. I told him, well, I counted the money, man, you know, because the temptation could always be there. I bet know? that thing was so fat it could hardly close, too. Man. All 20 shit. Yeah, $720 in 20s, <laughs> man. And I gave it to him, man, you know. Now, back in the day, you know, <laughs> he wouldn't have saw that. But I believe in being honest, man. Yeah. You know, people say I'm crazy, you know. But hey, like I just said about karma, the same thing that happened to me. I might lose, you know. He thanked me, man. He said, man, you just saved my life, man. You know, this is my rent money, my food money, you know. Yeah, yeah. I felt good after I did it, you know. I really did. How could you not? You know, because I, I just couldn't look that man in his face, man, knowing that uh, he dropped his wallet, man. And, uh, you know, he could have got behind in rent. He could have starved that month. You know, I don't know his situation, you know. Right. I don't know what he had to do to get that money. Yeah. Especially. Well, he get a monthly check every month, you know. Okay. I don't know how much, you know, but. I know that 720 was looking good, but I went on and did the right thing, you know, and I felt good afterwards. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to be on my conscience out, man. I kept this dude money, and I'm seeing his face every day. I wouldn't felt right, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I got a brother, he called me Honest A, you know? <laughs> hey, man, you know, you, you got to be honest, man. Stand-up guy. I try to be, man. And I asked the guy, well, hey, did he at least peel you off a 20 and say thank you? Look, check this out. I didn't want nothing from him. I kept telling him, nah, man, it's good. We good. You know, first he offered me 20. I said, nah. Next day, he offered me 40. I said, no again. 
the third day, man, he saw me again. He said, here, it's $60, man, and I want you to take it. I say, nah, man. He said, yeah, take it, man. I'll feel better if you take it. That's the only reason I took it. I wasn't looking for nothing. Right. You know, yeah, he gave me $60. He didn't have to give me nothing, though, you know. Right. Well, because that feeling that you got from knowing right, that you right. helped him That's out what right there is yeah. better than any. I got, there you go. How can you put a price on that? Right. You can't, man. I like that story because that's an example of when doing the right thing gets rewarded. And that guy didn't have to give him any money at all, and that's not why that guy was doing it. But that just goes to show that if you do the right thing, you know, I would have done that. I would have been like, hey, man, thank you. You know, you just saved my ass. Here's 20 bucks or here's 50 bucks. You know, or can I go buy, can we, you want to go to lunch or something? I don't, I don't know. Can I order you a pizza? Take care of somebody like that and do the right thing. Fight in the dog. This one reminded me of the old saying, it ain't the size of the dog in the fight, but it's the size of the fight in the dog. Let's call our guy Randy right here. Randy hops in and I start asking him about his life and what he does for work and getting his story. And he said that he works in a shop and he's got a 13-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 1-year-old. And he's in the process of getting back up on his feet after going through some baby mama drama and having to find a new place to live And he also said that he was in the process of getting a new car, but he said he keeps facing these setbacks. And one of the most recent setbacks was paying his best friend and roommate at the time $1,400 for a car that he can't even drive. I was living with a friend, and I just recently moved where we're going now. And he screwed me on my car. I've known him for 20 years, and just one thing led to another. He lost his kids. He's freaking out. One thing led to another, and we just kept getting into it. And I was like, you know what? It ain't worth 20 years of a relationship with a friend. So I moved out, and I'm letting him deal with his own stuff. Well, moving out meant that our guy Randy was homeless. But right now, he said that his cousin's taking him in, and she's letting him stay rent-free, and she helps him out where she can with groceries and stuff like that. And he, he expressed how grateful he was for that. But it made me sad to hear that his friend would do that to him. And I said to Randy, wow, he was that desperate that he was willing to do that to you. And he said, yeah, I'm thinking so. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm thinking that's what it has to be. And he could have used that money to fix what was wrong with it, which was the car needing a new radiator. All he had to do was order the part. But he just sold it to his friend and his roommate without giving a shit. And Randy says, I blindly trusted this guy because I don't have a ton of free time to pull the car apart and inspect it myself or take it up somewhere. I've got my kids on the weekends. I've just figured out this living situation. And I said, you think you can trust somebody after 20 years? And he was like, right, 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 man. And I said, you know, I got to think that's the drinking. And this is the whole point of this story, I guess, is people who are that caught up And using things like alcohol or drugs, they're using those things to cope with whatever they're ignoring. It totally clouds their judgment. And you don't think logically when you're lost in the sauce. You'll hurt people you love. You'll lie to people's faces. You'll steal, kill. There's no telling what a person who's gripped by addiction and really kind of spiraling will do. And I told him none of that makes it right or justifies what he did, but I was just trying to think of what could cause somebody 
to hurt someone like that and do that to a person that they were so close with. So as we keep talking, with a conversation like this, I've talked about this before. What can I possibly say to this guy to help him? Or, or to, to, you know, what can I focus on that feels like is a positive in his life when things are tough? He's in a tough situation, man. He's got two kids that he doesn't really see that much. He's splitting time between his latest baby mama and this one-year-old. He's just getting back up on his feet, and he's now living on with his cousin, and he just, you know, the worst thing is he saved up that money for that car, and now he's out $1,400 and still doesn't have a car. So he's back at square one in that sense. And I'm just like, well, what can I say to this guy that's going to be actually helpful or remind him of like, hey, stay on this path? Right? How can I encourage him? Because it, I, 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 it's bullshit to just say, hey, well, if you can dream it, you can do it. And there's no reason that you can't go out there and change your life and be a CEO. Like, you can change your life, but let's be real here. I mean, there's probably, with, with dependence, with kids, there's probably a level that you're going to kind of bump up against and, and hit a ceiling, right? And I, I feel like it's just disingenuous and it's just, it's fucking pointless to tell somebody like, well, just pray and just ask God for blessings in your life. Like he might give you blessings, but it's not going to be the blessings that you want. So what can I say to this guy to try and make him feel good about himself or like his situation? And one of the things that he told me was that he was just about to hit 90 days at his job that he's working. And he said that he had already gotten all of his full benefits that usually you get once you hit 90 days. But he said that he actually got those the first day that he started, which was a blessing. And he said that they had actually just fired two people from his department that day. And these guys were bigger than him, he said. They can lift more than me. But his bosses knew how hard he worked and kept him around despite not being able to do as much as these other dudes. And I thought, bingo. That's exactly what we highlight. So here's what I had to say. That's got to feel good, though, knowing that... Yeah, that I outlasted bigger guys. Yeah. It's like they say, baby, it ain't the size of the dog in the fight. Right. <laughs> there you go. Now look, did I really help him out by giving him some kind of a cliche or saying that to him, I don't know. Who knows? We never know what's going to stick with people. But I feel good in knowing that at least I hope that, what am I trying to say? What I hope is that in that kind of a situation, if I can give that quote or that line or something for somebody to focus on and hone in on, then maybe it can remind them that they do have the strength and the courage to keep going. And maybe they feel emboldened or more confident about themselves. And they think, yeah, you know what? I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. That's what I'm hoping to give. Do I think that it's some great thing that I did by giving him that? No. But I just hope that he gets out of the car or anybody for that matter, feeling a little bit better about themselves or at least a little bit clearer or at least a little bit more confident about their situation. That's all I can hope for. Blech. Sometimes I get so discouraged I can hardly stand it. The harder I try, the worse I get. Perhaps I should seek professional help. 
The Doctor is in. It's been a while since we've done this segment, but I want to continue to get this segment plus your Uber Stories submission segments rolling. So send me whatever you got. RealtalkWBennyT at gmail.com is where you can send these, or you can DM me and just know that they will remain totally anonymous. Now, usually these submissions will have a question as to something along the lines of, hey, Benny T, what should I do? Or what would you tell a person that's going through this? Or how should I be handling this thing? It's people seeking some advice. But this submission comes from an emailer that just wanted to share their truth and spit some facts that I think we all could stand to benefit from hearing. Our emailer says, in a man's world, being vulnerable and talking about issues and struggles is very difficult. Becoming older, I found that I'm not alone when it comes to this. In your head, you think that even if you voice your thoughts, that people won't think it's that big of a deal, so you just keep it to yourself. But this is the beginning of a downward spiral into serious depression that eats at you from the inside. Depression you might not be aware of. Deep thoughts that just won't get out of your head, that sometimes you just brush off and think nothing more of it, but it's still there. This might make you think down about yourself and also always thinking about what others think of you. Am I a deadbeat? Will I ever be the man I want to be? Do people like me anymore? Or in some cases, I'm done. Again, growing older, I found that I'm not alone and talking about these thoughts is not easy. But being there for the people you care about is a gateway to reassurance and recovery in the right direction. It's not the end of the world. Sharing issues and struggles with brothers close to you goes a long way. Don't bottle up these emotions and let them eat away at you to the point where it's too late. When it's too late, relationships are broken, physical and emotional health is ruined, and lives of loved ones are taken. It's hard to say this, but it's selfish. So share your struggle, share your emotions, and listen to ones who need it. Never leave a brother feeling alone because I can say you are not. So that's a good email from our emailer here. And what he's talking about is this notion that, listen, there's this Instagram, or it's, I saw it on Instagram, but it is a, a brand of clothing. And it's called Boys Get Sad Too. And it's true. You know, for years and years and years, we look at people like Don Draper or John Wayne or NFL athletes. We build these guys up and and market them as here's what a man should be. But look how fucked up Don Draper's life was, you know? Like, when you really start to peel back the layers, you realize, hey, this whole manly thing, this whole way to perform gender and, and the male ego, you know, when you really strip it away, what do you have? What are you left with? What are you becoming? And people don't share. Guys don't share. It's, it's way harder. It's way harder for guys to share for some reason because you think of that barrier. You think, oh, am, am, are people going to not think of me as a man's man anymore, right? But it's like, dude, you know what? I think it takes way more courage to use your voice and to share your struggles than it does to keep it bottled up and just appear to be some strong, silent type. That's bullshit. Because you know what the strong, silent type, you know where it lands them? 
probably in a lot of silent suffering and hurt and self-coping. Who wants that? I applaud this emailer's vulnerability and their willingness to begin again and pick themselves up and dust themselves off. And yeah, you know, I think when you go through boundary setting and you start to want things to be different in your life, maybe you tell some people, hey, this isn't going to fly with me anymore. Don't do this around me or I'm not going to do this thing with you guys anymore. You start to think, do people like me anymore? Can I still hang out with the same friends? And sometimes the reality is you just can't. It sucks. I've gone through that. I mean, I've literally pretty much lost all my best friends in the last year. Savage Six, they're not around anymore. And that sucks. And it hurts. And those are my brothers. And if I see them, will we be cool? Will we be cordial? Yeah, you know, because of the memories. But I had to get to a point where I said, you know what? I'm tired of these guys not hitting me up. And when I hit them up, doesn't seem like there's a lot of effort to, to meet up or spend time together. So is this relationship really serving me? Like I've given these people so many chances. I've exhausted myself in my attempts to get them to stay in my life or give me attention and energy. I'm talking the bare minimum, dude. Bare minimum. Months of reaching out and feeling like they're not reciprocating. They're not open to this. You know, listen to what people are telling you. The things they don't do, that should tell you something. And when um, there's other people who, you know, if I'm not trying to go out every weekend, there's just certain friends that I don't see anymore. And there's nothing wrong with that. No judgment. But I know that I, I, I have no business being out with them every single weekend. And so if they're a, primarily a drinking buddy, well, if I stop drinking or if I cut back or I stop going to the bars on the weekends, I'm probably not going to see them. I'm probably not going to spend that much time with them because that's kind of what our common ground was. That was like most of our relationship was, hey, I'm ready to get after it this weekend. Now, when I am and when I go through that, it's like, hey, I know who to hit up. And I can go back to those people. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, you'll have people fall off as you start to make changes in your life. And that sucks. And it hurts. And it's just simply life. It's just simply life. So be grateful for the memories. But only you know the man that you want to be. And that's that's the hardest question is is answering that question. Who do I want to be? What do I want to be? How do I want to be? Where do I want to be? You got to be. And if your former being wasn't healthy and you really didn't feel good, you thought that you were doing stuff that made you feel good, but it it really didn't feel good. Afterwards, you were left with an empty feeling or a guilty feeling or shameful feeling. Then you know that's not good for you. And is that who you want to be? Is that how you want to feel every day or every weekend or every month or however periodically that, that those feelings surface for you? No. And does it feel good to maybe not hang out with the same people? No. That's going to suck. It's going to be really hard. It's fucking heartbreaking. It's fucking heartbreaking. But just know that that pain is temporary and in the long run, you're taking care of yourself and you're doing things that are going to set you up for happiness for real happiness. 
So just sit with that for a while. And you're not alone. You're never alone. And guys don't talk about this enough, but, you know, it's like, I, I come back to this quote all the time. My man, Tim Schladen. Go listen to the Tim Schladen podcast. Um, an addiction counselor, 34 years he's been working on his sobriety. It's an everyday battle. But my man, Tim, is an OG, and, and he's really somebody that I think this emailer could benefit from listening to. Go back and listen to that episode, Tim Schladen, on the power of vulnerability. And in that episode, he says, vulnerability is the birthplace of creation. Be vulnerable with people. Be willing to go there first. Be willing to share first. And beautiful things will happen. Beautiful things will happen. You're not too far gone. You're never too far gone. So don't ever think that for a second. Because it's never too late to start making changes and be the person you want to be. That's real talk. All right, guys, how do we do? First one back. I think we were a little bit rusty maybe, but uh, I think it felt good. I think it felt good. And in the next coming weeks, I'm going to be out there on the road. I'm in the streets, baby. Bitty tees for the streets. And I'm going to be getting the people and their stories. And I'm going to start doing a lot more videos. And once we go up to Uber Stories Columbus and do that episode, um, there's some good things that are cooking, man. I got the car back. The studio's upgraded. My body feels good now sitting in my X3 chair. And I can do a 12-hour shift and not even feel it. Not even feel it. It's beautiful. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. Uh, get your Uber stories and your life advice submissions because the doctor is always in. You can send those to me at realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com. Follow me on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at bennytomp18 or on the show page on Facebook or the show's account on Instagram at realtalkwbennyt. And make sure, please, if you enjoy this show and if you vibe with what we're doing here, Please subscribe and rate and review on Apple Podcasts or on the Facebook page because that really helps me out and it helps me grow this show and people look at that stuff and I look at that stuff and it makes me feel really good. It makes me feel really good. So thank you to everybody that's done that. If you haven't, take 10 seconds and go do it. I mean, it's so quick. It's so quick. But that little thing, that little effort is such a huge thing to me and for the show. So get to it. And um, I will see you guys next week. All right. Everybody be well. I'm Ben Tompkins. That's Real Talk.